Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based out of Chico, California. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. And we are your favorite podcast. And we're also the Pope's favorite podcast, he told me. Sure, why not? At the very least, yeah. I, well, this is a, why not start on a tangent? At the very least, do you know that guy that protests the people that protest gay pride stuff? The guys that are like the fire and brimstone dudes? There's a very, um, there's this, I don't know his name. But he's a very active member in the gay community. He dresses up like the Pope and follows these people around and That's just awesome. goes blah, 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 <laughs> the whole time. Uh, and so I'm hoping that's who you – I want that guy's endorsement of this show. not I, Or the regular Pope, but ideally both. Or the gay Pope's favorite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so it's not a sentence I have pictured myself saying today. I assume that you received that endorsement via one of our many social media accounts. Yeah, he actually added me on Instagram. Yeah, you can also find us if you want to be as cool as the Pope. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. And I'm actually updating the Untapped, so please participate. I need encouragement because yeah. if no one likes my shit, I'm just gonna <laughs> stop. Uh, I'm doing it. Love me. Help him out, uh, you guys. Also, also, we're at Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. Letterboxed at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. Max is way better at that than I am. Thank you. So follow him. Follow me if you want. Yeah. I will lazily post stuff when I can. Uh, email us at fhccast at gmail.com if you've had any of the beers we're doing this week or if you've seen the movie or if you just want to tell us how amazing and or stupid we slash I are slash am. <laughs> That's the email. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, uh, freshhopcinema.com is our online home you can find our ultimate compendium of beer ratings that max has so kindly compiled uh going back all the way to episode one uh, and very soon it will be current you'll be able to find any yeah. single beer that we've ever done in the ratings. so that's that's really cool you should go check that out if nothing else to validate max's hard work thank you so uh also financially a very important website that i strongly suggest you go check out is patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema it is a way you can help make this podcast happen every single week. As little as $1 an episode, you can help financially support us. Uh, I know times are tough, so, you know, I'll take a dollar. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but it, we all we pump it right back into beer, movies. Uh, nothing's free. And, yeah, it helps us keep cranking out good stuff. There's some fun bonus stuff we do every week. You get at least one bonus content every week, uh, and as soon as we can all hang out again, we're going to get back into doing some bar hangs and some movie some nights. more fun stuff like that, some movie nights and whatnot. We need to like organize a drive-in theater movie night or <sighs> something. Great. But, but there's a whole t- bunch of tiers of rewards, so you should check that out, patreon.com slash cinema. Also, maybe most importantly, if you want other people to know how amazing we are, you should rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and obviously subscribe. If you're not already, I don't yes. know how you got here. Fair. Uh, thanks, but don't just listen to one. Come back. We have cookies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and tell some friends. Let's spread the word, spread the gospel. Uh, we need more friends, and I need attention. So let's do this. Speaking of Johnny needing attention, I'm going to say this because he won't, but Johnny's birthday is this Sunday, July 12th. So if you're hearing this on that day or before or hell, even after, shoot us an email or shoot uh, shoot him a tweet or on the Instagram. Let Johnny know. 
to have a great happy birthday because he deserves it. That was an amazing intro, by the way, man. I, and also, I'm going to thank you for a lot of stuff today because beer number one is also from you. You've just come off of the road after a holiday week, and you brought us back something from Eugene, Oregon. Could you please tell me about it? Yes, I'm very excited about our first beer today. It's called Overcast Espresso Stout from Oakshire Brewing out of Eugene, Oregon. I picked this nice little treasure of a 16-ounce can up at my favorite place in Bend to uh, buy beer, drink beer, and also eat. They're a full bottle shop, full tap room and restaurant, really cool place called Broken Top Bottle Shop. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like those guys. I endorse them anytime I'm in Bend, and I probably talk about them even when I'm not in Bend. Uh, but I picked, this, I picked both of our beers for the show up there this week. Uh, so Overcast Espresso Stout, like I said, Oakshire Brewing out of Eugene. It's an oatmeal stout. It's 5.8%. So this is definitely a stripped-down, stouty stout, not a barrel-aged stout, nothing too crazy. Uh, Overcast Skies inspired a dark and smooth oatmeal stout blended with cold-brewed coffee, offering a full palette of roasted malts, chocolate, and espresso. Um, right off the bat, it's kind of odd that they used cold-brewed coffee and called it espresso stout. That is kind of weird, maybe, huh? Maybe they used espresso beans in their cold brew to make it taste more like an espresso shot. Ooh, Let's go with that. I have to be the, I have to be this guy for one second. I think just given my history of being kind of the coffee snob on the show, I have to say, and this is actually more to your first point, that there's really no such thing as an espresso bean. Espresso coffee is just the methodology of making the coffee. So uh, in the same yeah. way that you'd have pour over coffee, you'd have a drip machine, you'd have espresso. So you can use any coffee beans for espresso uh making absolutely but there is definitely a specific roasting style that is more uh lends itself more towards espresso a lot of roasteries will do specifically an espresso roast so oh yeah absolutely uh, meaning i meant that you know perhaps they made cold brew with beans intended to be used for espresso that's actually fair enough yeah i think Hookshire Johnny's going to bat for you. I think it's a really, really solid argument. Maybe the only one you could make to justify this. I was also going to say Broken Top Bottle Shop I have actually been to, and based on your recommendation from probably three years ago, and I'm sure we talked about it on the show, but it's actually when I, I went up to Ben and I played, this is going to be so many great tie-ins right now. I went up to play a mm-hmm. house concert with our friend of the show, Cameron, who you saw on your trip. And yeah, I we stopped spent 4th of July with Yeah, her. I stopped by Broken Top Bottle Shop that one time, and it was... The moment you were like, my favorite bottle shop where I can drink and eat and buy, I was like, that's got to be it. It's a great place to go get beer. I've never gone there and bought $100 worth of expired beer before, so it's already off to a great start as far as Oregon bottle shops go, in my opinion. Winning. Little shade. Little shade. Of uh, Looking at you, whatever. Andy, yeah. Andy just from say Ashland. Andy. Just say Andy, yeah. <laughs> um, so you've, you've tried this or no? I haven't yet. Have you? No, but I just poured it, and I was going to say it looks it looks very straightforward. It's it's fairly mildly carbonated. Just just going off of what I'm seeing, a little bit of lacing around the edge, not too tan of a head, or definitely not too brown. But I don't know. It looks. I mean, it's definitely not. Oh, there's a little bit of transparency when you try to put it up to the light, but it looks pretty straightforward, and it smells pretty good. But nothing nothing's catching me off guard, which I'm taking as a as a positive so far. Yeah, Oakshire is one of those places that just does really fundamentally sound stuff. Like mm. they really, you know, they've got the basics down. And like, I mean, any brewery that is going into doing crazy stuff, they have to have the basics down. I think they really stay in their wheelhouse quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. none of their beers have ever been 
insane, surprising, like, oh my God, they've never had anything like this. Sure. But they've never been like, this is garbage. It's always like, okay, I respect this. This is solid, solid AF. That's how I feel about I like Secret Trail is- sometimes too. Like yeah. there's, there's, there's a very specific thing that I can appreciate when a brewery is, takes the approach of, I'm going to make this very traditional style of beer and I'm going to make it well. Mm-hmm. And I think an oatmeal stout is a great thing to do that with because because when you boil it down, no pun intended, you you do have not a whole lot to hide behind. Like I'm just looking for nuttiness and oatiness and roastiness and not too much bitter. I want a nice balanced kind of sweet, but not too sweet like you would get in maybe a pastry stout. I just want a solidly balanced beer, and I'm, I'm actually getting that from this. What do you what do you taste in? Yeah, I think I'm kind of right there with you. It's really like it's yeah to compare it to like baseball. This is like a solid swing for a single. This is like if you're playing some fundamental baseball. You're not swinging for the fences for a home run. You just want to put the ball in play and get on base. I'm like, okay, this beer is it's like average, but in an above average way, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I think so. Yeah. And this isn't this isn't like bottom of the ninth, you're needing to swing for the fence kind of thing. You're like beginning of the game, everybody's feeling good. I don't know why I'm trying to tie in baseball. I got no no horse in this race at all, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. So I like it. I think um if you could say that a beer is like exceptional in its averageness, I mean that feels like a burn, but it's really not. Like I want to find another way to say it because I know what you're saying, but it does come off as not good. It's on the 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 higher end of mediocrity. That still feels like a burn. Yeah, cuz mediocrity kind of insinuates that there's a higher level. And I don't think this is, this isn't striving for anything greater than what it is. Yeah. This beer knows what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's not showy. It's, it's exactly what it's trying to be. And I think what, I think what you're trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that what it's trying to be is not a flashy big beer. It's trying to be a very solid, reliable stout. And it achieves that by a stays humble, stays Stays humble for sure. This, sit down. This is great. <laughs> this is a great. This is a great beer. I'm gonna yeah, eventually really pick like a nit it. or two about it, but it's a very, it's a very good. I will say, great beer. Yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying drinking it. What do you think of like the coffeeness of it? Do you think it met your expectations? Is it too bitter? Do you like the amount of coffee in it? When I think cold brew, I think coffee on steroids in terms of flavor. I so I guess in that regard, it is a little bit underwhelming. But not in a bad way. I really like what it's tasting, though I don't think it's exactly as advertised. So I guess yeah. I'll probably dock it for that. I mean, are you getting a lot of coffee on this? Um, you know, I get a lot on the nose and significantly less on the, on the mouth. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wish it tasted as robust coffee flavor uh, as it smelled. Yeah, I think that's sort of the danger of, of making a 5.8% stout is that you do sort of sacrifice like you said, robustness for a more mild flavor, which I think usually works, but I think that maybe cold brew coffee was the the wrong move. Uh, that's, that's very possible. I mean, even if they, it was the right move and just the wrong ratio, you know, maybe they, they could have just upped the coffee a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it is an easy drinking beer and the, the it really shows that it's 5.8%. Yep. It, it does sip nice and easy. I'm not, super crazy about it honestly like it's good um i don't i wouldn't say it's great oh okay so yeah obviously that's where i push back and i actually to push back against myself a little bit in addition to the the caffeination of a cold brew the other point 
of making cold brews to sort of by by using cold water instead of hot, you you draw out less of those acidic and bitter flavors. And I was mm-hmm. about to say this is almost too sweet for me, but I do think that's what they're going for. I think if they yeah. intentionally used cold brew coffee instead of something else, it it was to avoid that very astringent kind of biting coffee flavor. So I think in that respect, if nothing else, that they are achieving what they're attempting. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's really, really good. I would happily drink this again. I, I'm a big fan of low ABV stouts, ones that are almost quenching in a weird way. Right. That you could like, these are, I'm, I could just drink this whole thing. Like, it's not, not too bad. Yeah. And I think it's probably the name suggesting it a little bit to me, but this is a perfect overcast day kind of stout. Yeah. It, I feel like this wouldn't be too filling either, which I like. Agreed. Yeah. Do you, uh, you feel comfortable rating it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I like this beer. I don't love it, but it's definitely above average. Okay. This, this is, this is like, um, like a six, six, six point six. We'll throw an extra six on. Cause you're you. There you go. It's an eight for me. Super, super good. The, just the little things, the, the personal thing of wanting a little bit more bitterness is a big one for me. And it's just a little bit too sweet, but I really think it's fantastic. I would, happily drink it again now that we've rated it what did this thing cost you five bucks yeah okay oh all right feels a little high to me but okay (laughs) fair enough it's also a 16 ounce can worth noting yeah yeah i definitely i like i said i don't hate it i wouldn't go out of my way to get it like and be excited i I would definitely like keep it around to have a stout that i a a lot that's the main problem with a lot of stouts that i buy that are sitting in my fridge Uh uh-huh like even like the sixteen ounce cans, sixteen ounce cans, sure. The sixteen ounce cans. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really don't like opening and drinking by myself because, for example, some of these like modern times barrel aged stouts that I have that came in sixteen ounce cans, they're like thirteen, fourteen percent. Yeah. Like, I can drink yeah. a sixteen ounce can by yeah. myself, but should I? Right. I mean, so. you're saying should you because it's so strong, or should you because it's maybe rare and, and deserves to be drank with friends. Oh, no. Nothing to do with anyone else. It's more just like that's, uh, you know, high ABV. It's sure. like, okay. you know, having something like this in a quantity that's approachable, I think, is nice to have around. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All so, right. So. Go ahead. That was Overcast Espresso Stout from Oakshire in Eugene, Oregon. Our first beer of the show. It is gone forever now. Goodbye. <laughs> like Johnny said, if you have a chance to try it or you've had it before, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Obviously, Oakshire, if you're listening, write us in. Let us know if we were wrong about it. Let us know if we yeah. were right about it. I don't care. I don't care. Let us know what care. kind of coffee beans you used. You know? Oh, I'd lo- yeah, I feel like it's not on the can. I didn't actually look, but I don't think it's on the can. Maybe it, I feel like they usually put it. Um, but I don't see it. So, if yeah, I'd love to know which coffee this was. I presumably yeah. a local Eugene coffee roaster. Yeah, find out, Max. Look enough. into it. All right. Look into it, Max. Send him an email. Okay. And if you get an answer, sing it from the mountaintop. Fair, Johnny. You want to take us Please. into flick picks? Yes. I don't have one. Yeah, I was hoping maybe you just kind of you kind of lead me into mine. Oh well, I tried to make a, a segue about singing from a mountaintop because your flick pick this week is a musical, but you are bad at listening to my cues. I mean, so that's, Max, that's have a, you seen? Right. Have you seen 
any good things with singing in them this week? That's more my speed, I guess. Wow, Johnny, I sure have. What are the odds of this? <laughs> Please stop. Stop this. <laughs> stop this right now. Yeah, okay. So years ago, I think about five, there was a Broadway show that changed the world of musicals forever in a good way, so I've heard. And that musical was called Hamilton. Johnny, you've heard of Hamilton. I have listened to, like, all of it. The soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts? Like it? Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I've also listened some... to it. Yeah. And for the longest time, the only way to see Hamilton was by going to see the show on Broadway. But, and and this is, I, I don't mean to make too many pros, P-R-O-S, not, not poetry, out of this pandemic. But every now and again, there are some good movies that get released that wouldn't have happened had this not happened. And There's one of silver lining is, is, is uh, the original cast of Hamilton being released to exclusively Disney plus, which for sure was a money grab, but they can afford it. And now we can all watch it. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool, man. I actually uh, was listening to a podcast, one of my daily news podcasts, and they mentioned this. It actually was released a year earlier than it was scheduled to be released. By I Disney. know it's so cool. So, that's a real friend move. Yeah, totally. Kind of. Uh, I mean, it just really, it's like they're going to make money off of it, so they got to do it as soon as possible. But, well, but I mean, are cool. they? I don't are know. they going to? I mean, it's, uh, they added it to their Disney Plus subscription service, which you didn't pay extra to watch it. It wasn't an on demand situation. So, I mean, it could possibly increase subscriptions, but I mean, it's not going to be a huge injection of money. You know, in in a like an on demand, you're paying twenty bucks to watch this type of way. So, I guess that's a good point. Uh, I know they did pay what seventy five million dollars for the movie rights, I believe. Yeah, yes, which is pretty intense, but fair enough. So, like, I don't know, man. Hamilton is one of those characters in American history that I've for sure heard the name Alexander Hamilton a thousand times. Do you know who he was? <laughs> um, was he a president? No, he was the guy that that was around for the start of America. Like, okay. and that's about all I knew. And that's kind of enough. Like I, I've heard the story of Alexander. I know this for a fact. I heard the story of Hamilton probably like five separate times in school, like elementary school and middle school over the years. And I can honestly tell you that I couldn't remember like a single thing about that dude. Other than like, I think he died in a duel. I'm pretty sure I knew that. And that never bothered okay. me. Um, but then I watched this show and the story of Alexander Hamilton came alive in a way that I definitely never expected from like a quote unquote, quote unquote founding fathers narrative. Like I don't, I don't care most of the time. Um, but again, like I watched this on the 4th of July weekend in mm -hmm. 2020, which is a weekend, especially in 2020 that feels, I don't know if this is bad to say, but like kind of hard to want to celebrate America for a number of reasons. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We don't need to get into it, but all that to say, Hamilton, if I can jump on a soapbox here for a minute, it literally made me forget all of the baggage that is kind of shrouding the society into which it was released. And it made for this really magical experience that was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was ahead of its time, but also felt like far too late for a lot of reasons. And it's hmm. not to make this too um, topical, but it's like, it's always been difficult for me to understand exactly which America used to be great and even harder to wrap my head around why we as a culture might want to elevate and like go to replicate 
our weirdly checkered past. Yeah. But this time on Independence Day, I didn't bother with any of that. This Independence Day, my friend, I celebrated Lin-Manuel Miranda. I celebrated David Diggs, who I already love from Blindspotting. I celebrated Leslie Odom Jr. And Johnny, goddammit, I celebrated Alexander Hamilton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. all right it's anyways it's it's so good and i think it's it's a really long watch it's about two hours and 40 minutes with a built-in intermission which i thought was a very classy move mm-hmm. it's it's it is. the music's great the storytelling's great the performances are incredible i i literally cried a couple times wow. which after i was okay. like why am i crying about Alexander Hamilton's life. It was very confusing to me. But <laughs> uh, will, it works. Would you be so kind mm. as to give me a 30-second synopsis? Uh, yeah, I will stick to the very sort of beginning stuff, so I don't, I don't want to give anything away. But again, it's like kind of all common knowledge, except it's not because nobody knows. Nobody remembers if you haven't seen the show. So basically, Hamilton— 30 seconds sure. on the clock. Three, two, one— Hamilton Go. kicks off sort of at the turn of the American country. We're, we're sort of picking up where the Americans are getting sick of English control over the colonies. And we have characters like Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, um, Aaron Burr comes into play. That's Leslie Odom Jr. And it's sort of all about the forging of America as a, as a nation. And it's through the lens of Hamilton's life. So you deal with his family and sort of his affair that happens and i don't think that's a spoiler that's kind of why he gets into a duel and it starts off with big, yeah good enough so you know it's about hamilton and it's about america and it's about us in a really interesting way so would you say that alexander hamilton is one of the founding fathers oh yeah is that weird yeah, for sure no he definitely is okay nice he basically so this is he basically was sort of one of the very strong cornerstones of the declaration of independence Okay. He's certainly nice. a founding father. Very cool. So you're saying this is a big thumbs up. Definitely watch it if you're on Disney Plus. Yeah? Uh yeah. I mean, I on, is, honestly I don't I don't want to conflate this too much, but or inflate this too much, but this is worth buying Disney Plus for. Nice. It's like six okay. it's and six it's, bucks. Like it's cheaper than renting a brand new movie, so whatever. But yeah, for totally. sure. And this is something watch with the whole family, sit down and have a nice bonding experience, expose yourself to some culture. Yeah, for sure. Watch it with kids. If you have them, it's a wonderful, it's it made me remember this story and I think it'll stick with me way more than the six times that I learned it in middle school. Will. Okay. Excellent. I appreciate the info. Uh, I don't have a flick pick this week because I was just super busy. So on that note, let's jump to a break and get into our movie this week. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. It's summertime out there. If you need a cold drink, a hot burger, 
and some nice air conditioning, you should go check out Handlebar Chico right here. Local, great spot, uh, 2070 East 20th Street, right next to Tong Fong Lo, Winco. It's right here. You can't miss it. They have an excellent happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get money off of craft beer, off of cocktails, half off bottles of wine. It is a great drinking and eating establishment. We love them. They love us. It's a great place. You should support them. That's Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. She's not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. You going to New York? What are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. Who came with you today? My cousin. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. I'll figure it out. This area's closed. Can I sleep here? Where's the rest of the money? I want to make sure that you're safe. I know this is hard. you some questions they can be really personal just answer either never rarely sometimes or always that was a trailer for never rarely sometimes always i'm gonna give you a quick synopsis before johnny gives you some of the more in-depth details but autumn a stoic quiet teenager is a cashier in a rural pennsylvania supermarket Faced with an unintended pregnancy and without viable alternatives for termination in her home state, she and her cousin Skylar scrape up some cash, pack a suitcase, and board a bus to New York City. With only a clinic address in hand and nowhere to stay, the two girls bravely venture into the unfamiliar city. This film was directed by Eliza Hitman. Uh, it was also written by Eliza Hitman. This is her third feature film after Beach Rats in 2017 and It Felt Like Love before that in 2013. The cast is centered around two main characters, Sidney Flanagan as Autumn and Talia Ryder as Skylar, her cousin. This premiered at Sundance in January 2020, and it was released to video on demand on April 3rd, 2020. Uh, it runs about an hour and 40 minutes, and we watched this on demand from the comfort of our own homes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's available. So like, we, I think we rented it on Vudu. You can rent it on YouTube for sure. I'm sure you can rent it on I'm not sure, but I'm, I would guess Amazon Prime Video and all the stuff yeah. associated for for. It's not one of those new to theaters, so it's not like twenty bucks. I think it's what was it for us six, six bucks. Yeah. So, like you said, Johnny, this came out uh, to video on demand on April third. So we're a little bit behind here, but I just heard a lot of praise from it on a podcast that I love called Film Spotting, and I looked into it, and I think we were talking about movies this week, and I sent you a list of stuff I was interested in, and we both went with this one. And I had you heard about this before? No. I had not, but Dude, I read yeah. the synopsis and uh, it sounded interesting 
to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I wanted to, to dive in. Yeah. I think this is one of those topics. I mean, it's, it's, if you have read, and I picked a very specific synopsis off, off of the Sundance Film Festival website, but there's a few, and some of them don't mention that there's an abortion in this. Like this is kind of centers around abortion. And I would just say that I, obviously it's a hot button topic. And it's one of those things that if you are super against it, it'd be easy to say, I'm, you know what? I'm just not going to watch this movie. I'm so against this topic. I won't even spend time thinking of it from another perspective. And I, I without getting too deep into like, personal beliefs yet. I just think that even if you are that way, it's still for anybody with any belief on abortion, it's an incredibly insightful lens into a girl's struggle with it. I think that's a decent disclaimer to throw out at the beginning of this. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Okay. I was figuring we were going to have to put out some kind Something. of disclaimer. Also, yeah, this, it, this episode could be kind of uh triggery. For, for some people. For, yep, so that's just super, just be aware of that. I think maybe we're talking to, about a movie yeah. that covers abortion. So Yeah, fair enough. So neither of us had heard of it. Did you watch a trailer before watching the movie? No, jumped in. Okay. I got that vibe too. So I watched one, but it didn't give away too much, I don't think. And I don't know that there is necessarily too much to give away about this movie. So I just want to know your general kind of takeaways. Like you've, you know, without spoiling, but like you've just kind of watched it. Yeah, this was kind of a, a scathing, hard to watch, raw, very laid bare movie. Uh, it was super character driven, and really the whole movie centers around the interactions between the two main characters, which I really loved their interactions and their nuance. Uh, and the writing in this movie was phenomenal. Mm. In my opinion, this is like world class filmmaking. Some of the stuff that was just left unsaid. Oh, the the yeah. the the grace and the the heavy editing of not overwriting a script really paid dividends in this movie. It was honestly really hard to watch at times because it was making me face things from a perspective I've never mm-hmm. looked at things through, and I think that's part of why this movie is so important. Is that it is an unforgiving view of what it's like to be a woman. Sure. And this this movie is through the lens of being a woman and it wasn't over the top, it wasn't exaggerated. It felt very accurate to life and tastefully done and uh unfortunately, you know, some of the stuff was just, you know, the things that they encounter as females. I know people that have encountered yeah. stuff like it. So um I I that's why I say I don't think it was over the top. I think it was painfully accurate and the acting in this movie was top shelf. Uh, Sydney Flanagan as Autumn, yeah, um, absolutely blew me away. Uh, the depth of emotion and acting from her was just unbelievable, and Talia Ryder was amazing as well. I think it was, like I said, top notch filmmaking. I think this is immediately one of, if not my favorite movies of the year so far. Yeah, so, yeah, for a hundred percent. I think. Um, sorry, Dick. I thought you might have been. Continue. No. Uh, but I think that was it, man. Okay. Uh, that's just my general thoughts. I think I watched this and it was a heavy watch, but it was endearing and moving and uh, emotionally jarring. And uh, I think it was an important movie, no matter what side of the debate you're on, as far as the, the political issue of, of abortion. I think it's something that it humanizes it in a way that maybe not a lot of people think about. 
And I think it's important to look at things through different lenses, uh, get outside of your own mental hangups and your own biases and have empathy for humans as humans and the decisions they make. And uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So yeah. That's my take. That's my quick elevator pitch for this movie. Sure. What did you, what did you think? When did you watch it? And uh, what, what was your general takeaway? Yeah. Just, just to add what you just said, you said the, the, the political issue of abortion, I would also add, I mean, this doesn't even approach it from a blatantly political perspective, but even from the moral standpoint of where you stand on abortion, I think wanted to add that to your sentence for sure. Yeah. But you also mentioned that a lot of this movie is subtle and kind of unspoken. And there's a couple of moments in this film pretty early on that I was like, I, I keyed into, oh, this, this has a lot going on. And one of them was the scene in which Talia Ryder's character, Skylar, realizes that Autumn is pregnant. And it's, it's you blink and you miss it, this kind of subtlety that happens in a bathroom. She doesn't know what's wrong. And you see it on her face when she notices it. It's just this like quick twitch of her mouth and her eyebrows. And there's moments like that throughout this entire film because so much of it is quiet and very pensive and like use that intense, but there's there's character moments that happen throughout this that if you're not watching it, you will for sure miss. And I think that's really true to life in a lot of ways. It doesn't spell it out for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I was reading about this, this, this won an award at Sundance and I'm, I don't have this in front of me or anything, but it won an award, something, something along the lines of neorealism. And I was like, I've never heard of neorealism. What is that? And there's a whole lot of backstory, something about Italian filmmaking that's way over my head, but it's basically, um, an approach to movie making that really emphasizes day-to-day life for sort of unchampioned people. Often these movies are made with non-professional actors. It made me think of a lot of Sean Baker movies like the Florida project um, was a huge one that came to mind. Mm. Um, I I like that. I think I might like that category of filmmaking. It's super, it hits really close to home because it's, it's a sort of almost unpolished look at what regular life is for a lot of people. And I don't know. I just, can we talk about the opening scene for a minute? It was it was like a school talent show. Was that your perception as well? Yes. And the first maybe three or four acts were groups of boys dressed in like 60s clothing to the point mm-hmm. where I was like, does this movie take place in the 60s? Did I just not know this? And they were singing songs and I didn't pay attention to the songs, but I would be willing to bet if I went back, there would be some pretty intense misogyny in those songs. And then we finally get to where Autumn goes on. She sings a song about basically a toxic, horrible relationship and abusive. And somebody calls her a slut from the audience. And it really sets the tone for the whole movie. I think like, it's just exploitation of these two girls nonstop. Mm -hmm. And it's rough. I don't know. It was almost so over the top that for a moment it was tragically funny, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I guess I don't want to say too much plot wise, but for me, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Top notch performances. It's not the easiest watch. I'll tell you that left me a little bit, um, a little bit bummed to say the least. Yeah. But it was a heavy watch. Yeah. But it's super important. It's, it's one of those movies that does make you, I don't know, consider things. If you're a guy from a different perspective, hopefully, um, just a whole bunch of different perspectives that you, if you let yourself will, I hopefully become a little bit more empathetic to any number of situations. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm right there with you. Like, definitely, some one of the best movies I've seen certainly this year. Yeah, this is the only thing that Sydney Flanagan has ever been in. I know, and you might notice as well. Talia Wright is not listed. I think this is her first project. Yeah, which lends to neorealism. I think. 
Yeah, that's wild. Did you notice? I mean, I have a bunch of things here, and I don't think any of this is too spoilery, but there's this kind of common theme. There's a bunch of common themes throughout this movie, and one is this idea of friends or family or people that support each other holding each other's hand through trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's a theme that happens really early on, and I think it culminates with the scene later on in the movie that that just makes everything that came before it so much more powerful. Yeah. And, and there's stuff like that throughout. There's another where characters will always be asking these girls like, all right, well, give me your number. I know you're not interested in this now, but give me your number. Maybe you'll change your mind. Which is like, at first was like, yeah, that sounds normal. People do that. And then by the third or fourth time, it's really gross. <laughs> it really yeah. just comes off as like, you're pressuring somebody over and over and over and over again to the mm-hmm. point that they are just, they just give in. And there's yeah. one moment in the movie where a character tells Autumn, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give you my number. And if you feel like calling that I'm here for you. And it was just so mm-hmm. cathartic given everything that came before. And it really puts into perspective all of the stuff that she has probably gone through before and just goes through over and over and over again. Cause there's some moments on screen where I was cringing and, and she didn't, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't phase her at all. She was like, yeah, yeah. you know, another day. It's rough, mm-hmm. rough stuff sometimes. Yeah, definitely. There's powerful scenes in this movie. And yeah, I, I again, just to harp on it, man, I loved the way that this movie felt like it was showing you a story, not telling you a story mm-hmm. and the interpretation. And like you, like even after this movie, you feel like you still don't know her whole story. Yeah. And I think that works and that's better that, you know, you have this person that's just enigmatic and very, you're just seeing a small slice of, of what's going on in her mm-hmm. life. And you don't have this huge backstory. You don't have, you know, over narration. I just, I really love the way this movie was put together. Yeah. You know, kind of on that note, I think sort of saying a lot without saying too much, there's, I think a question kind of subconsciously at the middle of all this or at the center of all this rather, which is like, who's the, who's the father? And it's not a central plot point, but I do think the movie gives you enough to determine who that is. And Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a nuanced enough movie and, and nuanced enough characters that it's, uh, it doesn't need to have sort of a, a villain, I guess it doesn't, it's like, it realizes that the world is more complex than me. Like there's your bad guy. Even right. though we're all like, there's a bad guy somewhere. And there's lots of bad guys. Pretty much every guy in this movie, by the way, is just the scummiest slash maybe average dude. I don't really know at this point. I think everybody sucks. It's just <laughs> like everybody they encounter is just a horrible dude. Almost everybody. It's rough. Yeah. I was like, maybe that's, yeah. you know, that's how a lot of people are. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's not, a, there's a lot of people that aren't so nice in this world. Yeah. And, and it feels like young girls out on their own seem to encounter those guys more than a lot of other people do. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty accurate. So, okay. So never rarely, sometimes always Johnny, which should we say why it's called this very long string of words? Or did you enjoy getting that sort of surprise? Uh, I enjoyed getting that surprise. Well, yeah. that's, I don't want to say I enjoyed it. Sure. Um, I was, oblivious and then the name of the movie hit me during the credits so i think that during the credits best best discussed in the danger zone yeah i wasn't really thinking about it oh really see i they they say it in the trailer so if you've seen the trailer you already know but uh on another note if this is one of those movies that we were together for and took a shot every time the name of the movie came up we'd be done be bad yeah but it is it is it is one of those names that you think it may be one certain thing or you don't really know what it is. And then the moment it comes up in context, you're like, 
that changes like, changes everything. Oof. Yeah. And that like scene a real though, oof. That scene is so good. That scene was like the the shooting star of this movie. Yeah. Like it was the the it just I want to say epic, but it wasn't epic. It was just, you know, that was the apex of this movie for me. Yeah, it's I mean it had to, and we'll talk about this like the context of the scene obviously more later in the show, but it's got to be a 4 or 5 minute take where we stay on Sydney Flanagan's face. It's just it's so incredible. I don't think yeah. that, that's what it is. It's 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 unedited, unfiltered just what this experience that she's going through might be like. And it is powerful. Yeah, dude. I yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was reaching for the box of tissues for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, you have to. Oh yeah. Um. All right, man. Well, never, rarely, sometimes, always. It's available, like we said, wherever you can rent movies. Probably at this point, Johnny Summers. Would you please give me an out of ten? It's a ten. Straight up ten, huh? I loved it, dude. I wouldn't change a thing about this movie. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, it was it was damn perfect. I loved the writing. I loved the acting. Uh. Um, I was all in on this movie. Fair enough. For me, it is a nine. We'll talk about it more later in the show when we spoil some stuff in the danger zone. But if there's ever been a time for a beer, dude, I think it might be now. What are we drinking? We are drinking a beer called Single IPA. Whoa. Why'd you say it weird like that? Because it's spelled I-E-Y-E-P-A. Okay, got it. Yeah. It's a play on words. It's wordplay. Uh, this is the Strata Single I. PA brewed by Wander Brewing in Bellingham, Washington. And folks, that's all we know. Well, we know it's a New England IPA. We know it's 6.4%. And we know that there is a raccoon with antlers with an eye patch on the can. On actually the very cool can. It is a great can. That's kind of why I grabbed it. I think there's so much room for a cool logo because there is nothing else about the beer, which feels, you know, a little, little bummer to me. But it's a fresh beer. It was canned on, at least mine was, May 29th. 2020 so we're just about a month and a half old so i'm looking forward to it despite the fact that i know nothing basically about it other than it's made with i guess strata hops yeah so where'd you get it and uh why did you grab it although i th- i think i know the answer to that one i got it at broken top bottle well, shop sure, and i got sense. it because it looked so cool <laughs> okay, great uh well how does it look in your glass have you poured it yet yeah it looks looks hazy it is uh very uh, it's like, um, I wouldn't say it's like milkshakey hazy, but it's, it's, it's pretty hazy. There's a lot of not see-throughness. It's like a dark, dark straw colored haze. I'm going to smell okay. it. Uh, Johnny Summers, Max Minardi, Fresh Hop Cinema. In the past, you've been on record as saying you are over New England IPAs. What are you yeah. looking for going into this? What is going to change your mind on the New England style? Well, I mean, I want, you know, same as I always want a balance of not too juicy and sweet. And some hot bitterness, but not like crazy dry, you know, some somewhere in the middle. I just want it to be balanced and taste like beer. That's fair. That's all. I'm not asking a whole lot. (laughs) Have you uh, have you tasted it? I have. Okay, I am in the process of cleaning out my glass from that stout. I'm giving a little water rinse and all that jazz. So could you walk me through your experience so far? Yeah, before I go too much further, I will enlighten you to the Strata Hop. Uh, oh, the Strata great. Hop uh, is a is a fantastic hop, especially when they use it in single hop beers. Uh, it is a new wave hop, meaning that it's in the newer generation of hops. It's not like one of the classics, uh, and it's gonna you're gonna have a ton of citrus. Expect a ton of tropical. That's really known for its tropical. A uh, little bit of of pot. You're gonna taste some. You smell some piney resinous. A little bit of weed smoke, a but dank. definitely a little dank, but you got a ton of tropical. Yeah. 
I mean, I just so are poured you, mine. Are you it, smelling? It, it, yeah, it erupted the moment I poured. And also, can I just say on air one time, dude, I really appreciate you giving me, lending me, slash maybe, maybe I'll get you to forget about it. This glass, this old school, oh, yeah. not even old school, but they don't use it at Sierra Nevada anymore. It's a, it's a, it's an IPA glass developed by Sierra Nevada and Dogfish Head and made by Spiegelau Glassware. And it is what has been called the perfect glass for an IPA. And I just had so many memories with mine that I loved. And then it got broken because it's brittle as heck. And I've never had one. It's been years. And I almost bought a two pack on, or I did buy a two pack on Amazon. I'm sending them back because you were like, oh man, I got an extra one. You can just take it. Yep. And it's really the perfect glass. I mean, I smelled this beer immediately. It's super tropical. It looks gorgeous in this glass. And it's, yeah, I think you're right though. It's not, it's not the, the haziest of hazy IPAs in the world, but it looks very appealing. I'm into it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Have you tasted it though? No, not yet. You? All right. I have. Go. What is it? You know, it's, it strikes me immediately as like very tropical. Like it's, it's like a fruity tropical cocktail. It's like I'm drinking a a Mai Tai, at least if I was guessing from smelling it. Sure. Smells great. But yeah, it smells like almost pineapple juicy, which is, is really fun. Like, is this a screwdriver? I don't know. (laughs) It's good though. Yeah. I don't, so I have this thing that sometimes happens, and I'm not even going to say that I have a thing. I think beers have this thing, why blame myself, that sometimes happen when they go really tropical New England IPA. And that is that there's a particular scent slash taste that is very much in as endearing a way as this can be, kind of body odory. Little B.O. stink. And a little musty. It's one of those flavors that I've just decided, well, I guess that's part of beer, but today... I say, mm-mm. I don't, it's too hot out to, to give any lenience to any BO type sense of flavors. So yeah. that's catching me right away. But underneath that, I think are some really good flavors. So it, it smells like. I don't like know why I'm pulling pit. punches. Yeah. No, it's not, yeah. you know. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't either. Like, come on, man. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. It's, I've had one drink. And again, like I had a little bit of stout in my glass that I was finishing and I rinsed it. So maybe I need to take another drink, but there's something pretty particular off about this for me. Yeah. What about you? It does have an interesting smell. It's, it's, I wouldn't say like body odor for me personally. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has like a little tiny bit of funk to it, but I, I did, wasn't even picking that up as a negative. You're just saying smell or taste though? Uh, no, it doesn't taste like, like that to me at all. It, no, I, I yeah. get more like like pineapple and melon. Maybe it's the melony vibe. Could be. There's Could something be. about. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's definitely sort of an oversweetness. Um, I don't even know. It's it's a sweetness that is sort of squashing a hoppiness that I want to come through, but since it doesn't come through, it's yeah, like you said, kind of musty, and it's I I hate to say boe, but it kind of is. Well, if that's how you feel, that's what you should say, man. That said, my second drink was way better than my first. I think there was something should. to be said for my whatever was in my glass, the the stout before this. Well, yeah, start. I started with a brand new glass, man. I'm so stoked about my new glass. You guys just keep using. <laughs> it's just I don't even rinse it anymore. I just it's like a cast iron pan. I just add flavors every time. I'm just gonna rub some <laughs> salt in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, good. I, I, it's good I, enough. I, I like you. Oh, you're. It's going downhill. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't think I love this beer at all. It's it's really just like adequate. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't expect either of us after even the first like thirty seconds of our discussion. Neither of us were going to love this beer. It's adequate. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing I would write home about. I think it's a cool can, and it's it's something that would be absolutely fine to have in your fridge is just like a grab and drink it type beer but uh, i'm not gonna brag to anyone about having this beer i mean we're putting it out on a podcast (laughs) that's kind of like bragging yeah i mean not really like whoa guys i got this cool beer it's really awesome you should try it it's (laughs) great can we please can we promote it on all of our socials like that though can we just be like hey you guys you'll never guess when people listen like wait a minute we've been misled (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, i guys, do feel like i feel like this is so a beer that, that i reached in my fridge and i grabbed this one i would after this be like you know what i'm i don't want another new england ipa tonight i'm gonna totally shift gears which is kind yeah. of i feel like a pretty big pretty pretty big bummer towards a beer pretty big insult yeah. i don't mean it to be but i think it is now do you behave that way normally with like a new england ipa that you like or is this something like this beer would turn you off to drinking a lot of this style? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if I went into my fridge and I was thinking, I really want a New England IPA. And then I grabbed this one. I'd be like, I was wrong about my own tastes. I guess I don't want that. And <laughs> I, I led myself you know, astray. Yeah. Versus, you know, when you grab a really good New England IPA that has got some bitterness and some nuance and some depth of flavor. You're like, you know, I want another New England IPA. And then yeah. you never touch another Dank and Sticky the whole night. Yep. This is not that beer. This is like, I need any type of West Coast IPA immediately because my mouth is watering armpit sweat. Armpit sweat and like too sweet. I'm really, uh, I think yeah. I can't, I can't some give of, this a decent rating. So shoot the, what, what you're describing is exactly how I react to like a really heavy mango flavor. Because uh, a lot of times mango gets like that foot mm-hmm. gross body odor, just funk. And then it's like too sickly sweet. And it's like this is really sweet armpit. See, I'm not. I don't want to necessarily call this back to our Patreon bonus content, though. I think that it's probably nice if we do, because then people are like, "I've heard both." I get that with real mango, not mango white claw. Mm. I think I think mango white claw is too artificial to even have that kind of stinkiness. They couldn't afford to put the mustard. No, they could. In. They don't. Yeah, they can't. They don't have people sweating their feet over their whatever they brew white cut do they even brew white cloth what do they do with that stuff i think they like distill it and then water it down and then carbonate it i think they hex it and have some wizard with a cauldron stirring it up and then there's like here's stuff for america enjoy your 1.5 billion dollar profit on this stuff over the next year yep yeah there's for sure a wizard staff involved it's got to created white cloth i guarantee it there's there's got to be there's wizards there's black magic there must be yeah it's got to be. But there's beer, though. They're this, not they paying. Beer. Yeah, they're not paying for Gandalf. No. They're paying definitely for. Definitely not. Name, what's like another wizard that's worse? <laughs> like cheaper. Merlin. Merlin, my friend, is a benchmark in the wizarding society. You can't shit on Merlin right now. We need. So they've got like a Weasley. Yeah, sure. They got like Fred Weasley. He's the wizard. <laughs> this wands yep. during the mango white claw. I think I could do it. Like Gandalf would be smashing it with his feet like grapes, and that would get some of that mustiness in there. Be like, like drink, no. you fools. <laughs> That's a fun tangent. I like this one. Yeah, man. I, I also know. just watched Lord of the Rings the other day. So all this talk of wizards has has led me to the question, is there magic in the spear for you, Max? No. And I, I honestly, all this talk of wizards made me want to rate it higher, but I do have to come back to my original thoughts, which are basically thus. It's a fine 
New England IPA if you're not super averse to the flavor that you and I, Johnny, describe as kind of footy or B.O. adjacent. It's got a particular mustiness that I am not super okay with. And 6.4%, I'm not necessarily going to struggle my way through this one. And I guess this is just one of those episodes where I'm coming out swinging. So this, for me, is like a three. Oh, shit, that's low. Yeah, but that's right. It's got to be a three for me. You know what? I pay. That's got to be right. It's a three. I never. I pay you for your feelings and your honesty, sir. That's true. Kind of. Yeah. What is it for you? It can't be lower than it can't be lower than a five. I don't think for you. Or no, maybe a four. Uh, no, it's uh, this beer is like a six two for me. I really don't hate it as much as you do. That's really high. Okay. I think that 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 flavor that you're getting really is a very subjective thing. Um, it. I normally would be the first to complain about that, but I'm mm. really not getting it as much as you. I think my palate just likes this beer a little bit better than yours. Uh, it's tropical. It's fruity. It's it's fairly refreshing. I'm actually getting a lot of hot bitterness on the finish, and it finishes really dry. Wow. Which lends itself to the, the hoppy bitterness. I think this is a decently made beer, and uh, it's not going to knock anyone's socks off. I'm not going to travel for it, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a solid. It's a 6-2 beer. I mean, I would say good. Keep those socks on because they're absorbing the flavor that you're dropping into this beer. So fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, single IPA. So, yeah. 6.2 for Johnny. Three for me. That's from Wander Brewing out of Bellingham, Washington. Try it if you'd like. Uh, you might you might like it, I guess. is Try the, it if you can. That's my transition. You might like it. You might like it. There's a chance that you will like How it. How much was it? Five bucks. Fuck off. No. Okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Into hot and bothered. Uh, All right, we we so obviously week, the so. beer this week. Is no, God it's fine. Is... It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I love it though. I like it when you come with hot takes. People don't listen to you for mediocrity. You like it when I come with negative takes. No, I like it when you. I love it when you give me tens and you give me threes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So just was what's that quote from Shirley? Yeah, we're gonna keep it going for it. This is the reason Shirley's in my top movies of the year. By the way, it's this quote it's from, infinitely uh, the, from Michael Stuhlberg. Yeah, it's uh, um, you. He says to his wife, he says, "You, oh, it's like you know how much I'm offended or like disgusted by mediocrity. I despise. Oh, it's, mediocrity. So, it's such a good moment. Yeah. So can we get the bothers out of the way? Yeah, you first. Uh, bend." Was great. Yeah, these don't look like bothered to me. It kind of bothered me a bit. All right, let's yeah, let's talk about that bothered stuff. All right, so I went to Bend to do some family stuff and also see like Cameron at some point was part of the plan, but there was a plan to do some brewery hopping like we always do and and go eat at the places that we like and the plan was in place and mm. the first night we got there the plan was completely torn asunder. Um. They're not as open as I thought they were, but in a lot of ways, that's a good thing because it probably lends itself to more safety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first night we, we got there, we went to Boneyard because it was like oh. half a mile from our hotel. Yeah. And they have a new tap room. And oh, I'm cool. super stoked to check out the new tap room because before it was just like in an industrial part of town. It was very much like not sexy mm-hmm. uh and you know, it was like a garage room. right like it was a tiny yeah like, five taps literally of... like a like a roll-up door yeah there's one room um like a really shitty version of secret trail because like secret trail is dope but imagine secret, secret trail yeah secret trail like shrunk down into like a storage unit it's like yeah it's like if you walked into secret trail and then the entire building was like just the garage door and then it was walls and then exactly even smaller than that somehow 
Oh, yeah, it was tiny. So I was super stoked to check it out. But they weren't letting people inside. And they're, they're you know, everywhere's uh, patio was not big enough to, mm-hmm. like, support the amount of people that want to come drink there outside. So yeah. basically we sat in the parking lot on chairs under an easy up. Yeah. And I was like, this is not um, the experience that I'm used to. Uh, and a lot of like the places we wanted to go for food were closed or closed for the weekend. So yeah. it was just, it had to change on the fly and I'm used to having a plan. So that really bothered me. Well, cause you, you go to bend pretty regularly too, right? Yeah. That's like our favorite vacation spot. Right. So it's not just get not, up there. It's not having no plan. It's that. And also that happening when you're in a place where you have a really solid routine most of the time. Yeah, and like I have a relationship with that city. Yeah, like that's I, there's places I like to go. It was very frustrating because yeah. I'm always the guy with the plan. Like the ABCs are laid out, and when that all fell apart, like I kind of fell apart a little bit. Yeah, and uh, it didn't handle it as well as I could have, much to my wife's dismay. Oh man! So oh, I'm gonna ask you that. Yeah, there. yeah. So we uh, we did the best we could. We did some outdoor exploring, and I got to see like seven lakes and a waterfall in a day. I sent yeah. you a picture. Yeah, you did. So that was cool. But yeah, that that was kind of a bummer just because it wasn't, you know, what you expected and the plan just got messed up. But uh, that was really the only bothered I have this week. Well, that sucks. But it sounds like there's a silver lining. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. But uh, yeah, there there's silver linings. Uh, I've been doing more projects around the house i restored a cast iron pan the other day so that's exciting nice like just an old one you guys own or what yeah i i used it and i cooked some stuff on it okay and i was real drunk i was using it on the barbecue oh and, and i don't I think you're supposed to that. do that <laughs> no yeah you can you? heat them up heat them up on a barbecue i mean right. you use them on the stove so yeah, it's yeah. like direct flame it's not gonna hurt it you oh, put I them in the oven do yeah, it. sure Cast iron's indestructible mm-hmm. unless you get real drunk while you're using it and forget that you cook stuff in it and then left it oh, in the shit. barbecue for like <laughs> six months. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. So you did this six months ago. You ruined your cast iron pan effectively and you had to, you had to restore it. Yeah. How did it go? Uh, it went great. I, I did watched a bunch of online tutorials and learned all about it. And I am pleased to say that I cured it in the oven with avocado oil, nice. cooked it, at, you know, I soaked it in vinegar and water for two and a half hours and all the rust came up and then I dried it out really good and then rubbed it down with avocado oil like you're mm-hmm. supposed to. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, you cure it in the oven covered in oil, not covered, but you like, yeah, yeah. With you a, like, you know, cause, rub, cause the whole thing about cast down. iron is like, it's not. It's not totally solid. Like it's a little porous. Oh, it's very porous. So it does yeah. kind of absorb those flavors over time. So you're not supposed to wash it with soap and water every time. You're like, you're kind of supposed to let it develop its own characteristics. Yeah. It, and that's called seasoning. And seasoning, then, sure. And when you, after you use it, you're supposed to pour like a couple tablespoons of kosher salt. Yeah. And just like rub the surface of the pan with kosher salt and then dump the salt out. Is that right? Yeah. But I bet like that salt would be really good if you like cooked something like super strong flavor like bacon yeah and then you cleaned it with salt like mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. bacon salt now i guess so huh i yeah i feel like yeah. I've, I've read and, and watched all these videos and read articles about cast i i don't even own i mean i own one but i've never used it it was a wedding gift and we're saving it until we buy a house but i'm just a big fan of the idea of a cast iron pan 
So like yeah. I know all the methodology, like what you're supposed to do for some weird reason. Well, you learn to use the tools you have, right? It's true. Uh, so that was fun. I'm stoked. I'm going to be able to use that to sear things again. Cause I like using cast iron to sear steaks yeah. and stuff. So that's fun. And my last hot before we get to your, mm. uh, very interesting segment <laughs> sure. is, uh, I've been on kind of a record buying kick lately. This happens to you. Uh, it does about, uh, about twice th- a year. You do this uh, just so you not know. quite. Yeah, but not quite to this extent. Okay. Not extent, but this opportunity. There was a buddy texted me that a kind of a punk rock, like hardcore record label called Bridge Nine Records, mm-hmm. they were doing a mystery box. They needed to just sell some backstock just to keep revenue flowing in. Uh, and they were doing five records in a mystery box for $20. Oh, damn. Like Like new records or kind of like recycled ones or what? Uh, well, it's new to them because they're a record, so they're they're brand new records, but their pressings. I think one of them I got was from like 2012. Oh, okay, um, but you know, new, basically, essentially brand new records, but just haven't like been put in circulation, not used. It's not like a, a secondhand store. Mm-hmm. So you're you're buying them directly from a label, and I got five records from five bands that I've never heard of, and I've only listened to one of them so far. Okay, but. It was real good. It was cool. And every single one of them is uh, colored vinyl. Oh, you love colored vinyl. I am such such a floozy for colored vinyl. (laughs) You know, and I just wanted to support them because I like independent record labels. And I thought it was like a good way. And I mean, if they have this massive surplus, like 20 bucks isn't that much. Yeah. So I finally, I I just broke down and did it and got it and been working my way through them. I think I posted a picture of it on my Instagram story. So yeah, that was it's been kind of a fun thing checking those out. Um also, last thing, because I have to brag about this. Yeah. I bought a record that I've been waiting to come up for sale uh for quite some time. I found it on Discogs. It is a ten inch vinyl that the band Prize Fighter Inferno put out in twenty twelve. Prizefighter Inferno is the side project, like electronica acoustic guitar side project mm-hmm. of Claudio Sanchez. Right, 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 right. I know it uh, from. Uh, oh yeah, from Coheed Cambria. Cambria. Yeah, so they put out a ten-inch uh, of their very first thing, like he ever recorded with Prizefighter Inferno, mm-hmm. and they were only selling it. They did like fifteen hundred of them, and they were selling it on tour in twenty twelve. And it's a pink 10-inch vinyl, and Claudio signed every single one of them. Oh, jeez. And one of them finally came up for sale on Discogs, and I ordered it, and it's going to be here, like, tomorrow. And I'm so excited for it. Yeah, dude, I bet. So that is, like, my birthday purchase for myself. Yeah, do you think it's actually Disc OGs? Like OG Discs? Disc OGs? Uh, I I, I, I'm just hearing you say it, and that's kind of what I'm thought, thinking of. It might be, but I didn't never thought about it like that. Either way, sounds super cool. Yeah, either way, I'm super excited for that. It's only got four songs on it. Yeah, uh, but it means a lot to me. It's probably the most uh, sentimentally important record that I've ever bought. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's kind of been a musical hero of mine from probably like like a seventeen, eighteen till now. You've never and, uh, you've never met him, right? 
I've never met him. Okay. I've seen him live five times. I oh, think I've seen Khalid five snap. times. Um, but yeah, I've never met the dude. Uh, I actually had backstage passes to, or uh, meet and greet passes mm-hmm. to the show that they were playing in Reading that got yeah. canceled because oh, of COVID. That so. sucks. Cool. Uh, have you ever seen him in the capacity of Prize Fighter Inferno? No. Uh-uh. Do, does he perform as that? I don't think so. Oh, well, then that's that's like extra super cool. Like The only way you can hear this stuff is by... I mean, this particular stuff that you ordered is with this record, right? Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the record's like out there online, but yeah. Oh, okay. This is, yeah. Like you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and the cool thing is he's been actually recording a new Prizefighter Inferno record from his house during quarantine. Is that he what does you sent all, me? Yeah. Yeah. That was him, like the process of him recording and programming and using all these like analog yeah. modular, um, what are those called? Synth- uh, synthesizers. Yeah. Yeah, like modular synthesizers where you actually have to like unplug a wire and plug it into here. It's, yeah. it's wild shit, dude. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that's like one silver lining of the the quarantine for me is I'm going to get a new prize fighter. Yeah, album. like that kind of shit. And Hamilton, like, all right, that's cool stuff that would not be happening regularly. Exactly, which is super dope. And like there's so many artists that have been doing like Instagram live concerts every week just to do them yeah like just to play like it's been really fun you know and then you get on and you see people like watching all over the world like we're all kind of together Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. so it's nice to feel a little bit of unity because there's not a lot of that shit going around fair so that's my podcast in the middle of our podcast that's what (laughs) hot and bothered feels like every week i feel like we could we could literally just release a podcast called inside hot and bothered yeah it'd be like 45 minute episodes of just like yeah Mostly what's going on in like our lives, but also yours. And I yeah, love it. I think I think we should. I think it's fun. This is like the one I this I think I look forward to hot and bothered more than any part of our podcast. <laughs> I know you do. And I literally I just, get, I just write two words of like wrist injury. And then I'm like, that's fine. It, yeah. I don't care. What's going on with your wrist, dude? Well, okay, so it was fourth of July weekend and and Basically, I had this really cool idea. It's the first 4th of July I've had that I've been married. So I was like, well, okay, everything going on. Maybe there's still a way to get my in-laws together with my normal parents, who are, by the way, not normal at all. I don't think anybody's parents are. But I was like, we'll get everybody together. It'll be fun. Gianna and I will go down to Modesto. We'll have Gianna's parents come in. They've been very diligent about social distancing and, and all the things associated with that. But Gianna worked on the 5th, so we couldn't go down on the 4th. So I had this idea that we would have a third of July. So I had my first ever third of July. I made invitations. I sent it out to everybody. It was, it was like, I sent it to myself. That's how stoked I was about this. (laughs) Um, And what ended up happening is that, so my parents came, they were, it was at their house. They were obviously there. My dad came because my parents were divorced. So he showed up and then Gianna's parents came. And then we also took my, basically my roommates, neighbors, those people that we see every day who are also very diligent Jacob and Serena, and we all went down to Modesto and had a lovely 3rd of July. And the 4th, the day that we ended up leaving later in the afternoon, I was like, you know what would be great this morning is diving into my pool. It's a great way to wake up. And I dove in the like within two minutes of waking up, which I can tell you is a terrible idea because your calibration for what is up and what is down is not fully synced up yet. So what I did was dive in towards the shallow end, which I always do, but I usually kind of dive out horizontally enough to not hit my head. But I was still half asleep, and I hit my wrist. 
my left hand on the outside on the bottom of the pool, scraped off like a good eighth inch thick chunk of skin, hurt my entire wrist. I can't really twist it right now. Um, oh. And it sucks. It hurts so much. It's been hurting for a couple of days to the point where I like, I've, I haven't been to the doctor in 10 years, dude. And I called my insurance company. I was like, Hey, I need a doctor in my area. Cause I have to go to the doctor. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with my wrist. So bothered. Did you, did you go to the doctor or <sighs> it takes seven to 10 business days to change your address. Then you have to pick a doc. It's like a whole thing, whatever. Why don't you just go to immediate care and get x-rays? I hate immediate care. Well, yeah, but also I know you could, I said this to my mom. My mom was like, you have to go to the doctor. I'm like, I agree. It's just one of those things. I'm not going to do it. I know that about myself. I'm not, I'm not going to go. You ever have that where you're just like, I know this is the right thing to do, but it's, I don't have it in me. I had a toothache for like three weeks. That kind of stuff. Why didn't you go on the second day? Didn't want to go. Didn't want to go. Like, I was like, I'll I'll wait it out. This is probably the most dumb man thing. It's so stupid. It's like, I know I don't know where I'm going in the car. Ask for directions. Uh Uh-uh. I don't need them. It's like, you do need them though. Now I'm I'm like, I would stop for directions. That's not my vice. My vice is apparently not going to the doctor. And I wish that I wasn't that way. And I try to change it and I haven't been able to yet. Except for this this situation. I am changing it now, but it's going to take a little while. All right. So there's another thing I see in the notes and you're hot and bothered. And it's called, this film is not yet R-rated. Yeah, it's just rated. That's how it's written in the title of the movie. So basically, yeah, there's a documentary that came out. I'm going to look it up real quick because um, I heard about it on, uh, where did I hear about it? Um, 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 oh, it was it was something like 50 documentaries you have to see before, you know, for whatever horrible thing is going to happen in the world next before happens. Before you die. And it's a documentary about sort of a an undercover look into the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA. If you don't know what that is, it is the association that gives every American movie its rating. G, PG, PG-13, R, or NC-17, which used to be called X. And it was directed by this guy named Kirby Dick. And it's just, it's like an hour and a half, I think. Uh, let me see if I can, yeah, an hour and 38 minutes. <laughs> it's unrated. Because at the end of the movie, he's, he submits this movie to the MPAA. Be like, hey, can you guys rate this movie? And they're like <laughs> NC-17, and he tries to appeal it or whatever. But the the thing that struck me is that there's, I don't know, there's this like universal organization that kind of presides over American movies that I've never thought twice about. Hmm. Like a movie's R, I'm like, all right, cool, it's R, whatever. Like I put it in the notes every week. I'm like, yep, it's rated R for these things. And so often a movie will be rated PG-13 for intense violence and language and then it'll be NC-17 for, like, two nude people. And it's like, I don't think those things are even close to equal, but I think you got them switched. Like, we have this weird um, we have this weird acceptance of horrible, horrible violence as kind of permissible and human sexuality as disgusting and, and abhorrent and something you need to put a horrible rating on like that. So like nobody will ever see basically it gets into the, the economics of how, if you rate, if, if you, your movie gets rated NC 17, like TV stations won't advertise for it. It won't be released by a major studio, all sorts of stuff. And it really makes you consider like, maybe we're doing something wrong. And the cherry on top of all this is like, it's a board of anonymous people. It's not disclosed to anybody. And there's like 12 people on it. 
and that's it. And that decides the fate of movies across the country, which is nuts to me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost a a mirror of like our political system Yeah, where like 10 old dudes get to decide the moral compass for the country. Totally. And like what's right and what's wrong. Like, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super dicey. And it, it, the, the thing that struck me is like, I've just never spent time to think about this. But now I'm, I'm so disenfranchised to the idea that some board of arbitrary people could just be like, ah, it's rated NC-17 for a pubic hair scene. It's like, I don't, yeah. that's not, like, I've watched movies of people being decapitated and tortured that are rated PG-13. And if I put those two scenes side by side, like one is so clearly worse to me. Exactly. <laughs> it's It's rough, man. But there's interviews from people like, uh, Kimberly Pierce, who directed Boys Don't Cry, um, Kevin Smith of Clerks and Jersey Girl and John Waters and Matt Stone and uh, Wayne Kramer and, and all these um, directors that have made movies that have they have challenged this this ratings board. There's a who do you know off the top of your head who directed uh, Team America World Police? Yeah, that was Trey Stone and Matt Parker. I think you mean Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Yeah, oh, fair those enough. guys, the South Park guys. Yeah, the South Park guys. So there's there's a whole expose scene on how they kind of made that scene, the, like the infamous sex scene in that movie. Mm-hmm. And their first cut of that movie was so over the top. They they said that they specifically added scenes that they didn't even want to use because it made the movie worse. But they knew that by putting those scenes in, they could send it to the MPAA, knowing they would be like, you have to take some of this stuff out. And then they could take that stuff out and end up with the product that they wanted in the first place. Oh, smart negotiation. Smart negotiation, but also like sucks that you have to even do that. So this film and this podcast are not yet rated. Thank you for Fair. that interesting insight. <laughs> I want to watch that documentary now. Do you want to try to bring it back around to something semi-intellectual and talk about some spoilers for never, rarely, sometimes, always? Yes, I do. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay, so we're in the danger zone. And we're going to talk about never, rarely, sometimes, always, like we've all come out of the theater and spent a little bit of time processing this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, we're going to spoil it. Yeah. Okay. Where do we start, my friend? Dude, there was so many scenes in this movie that I loved. And the one that comes to mind that I want to talk about is after, I believe, like the, which I didn't even know that like later term abortions were like two stage. That's a thing we learn in this movie. Sure. Like it's one day and then you come back the next day. Which is like I didn't know that no. so at all. So that was enlightening. But I think it was post first step mm-hmm. where they're sitting in a, a like a subway station because there's a lot of time where they're just trying to figure out what to do to kill time. Yeah. Until like the next day. Yeah. Um, and our main characters are talking, and um, excuse me, Skylar says to Autumn, like, "What are we gonna do?" I don't know. What do you want me to do? And then Autumn just yeah. says, I want you to fuck off. Yeah. And and then they just part ways and Skylar just takes off. And Autumn starts looking all over for her and finally like walks into the women's bathroom in the subway station and finds her cousin. And there's no words exchanged. And her cousin just starts doing her makeup. And I was like, that is the sweetest, most endearing. Like, I love you. When you don't deserve it, like you need me, I know you need me, like I'm here for you, and like I know you didn't mean that, and like I'm just gonna do your makeup and like just show you that I care about you and just be regular. And like that was such a sweet moment, like it was so genuine, it felt like breathtakingly real. Can I just say they could have done a number of things to fix that argument, but they literally 
makeup. Yeah. Like that. I, I, I said, Gianna went to the bathroom when I was watching this. She goes, what happened? I was like, yeah, she went to the bathroom and they put on makeup. Oh my God. They made up, they made up over makeup, which mm. is probably maybe not intentional, but I felt like it was a nice touch if it was. Cause yeah, there's something about the, the unspoken bond of family or friends or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, I was being a dick. Sorry about it. Can we just fucking move on? Yeah. Like, yeah, like for that, sure. I get you. You're like, su- you're going through support. some stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Pennsylvania seem, I guess I don't understand what Pennsylvania is because it's clear from well, the beginning of this movie. She's not in a super understanding situation in her life. Like she yeah. goes to that first clinic and my first cue was that she's in the, in the waiting room and she looks over to a spot against the wall where there's a bunch of like children's toys and like coloring books yeah. and one of those little loop de loo boards where you move the beads across little roller coaster tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh huh. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's some like angelic choir music that comes on when she sees that. <laughs> and then we go on to hear this person that's giving her a, <laughs> what did she say? A, a quote unquote self administered test. And she says, um, okay, just so you know, a negative can be a positive. And then later on, she says, a positive is always a positive. And there's these moments where like this angelic music about children and Hey, by the way, a negative can actually be positive. It's like these people are subconsciously hammering her with like, you want to have this baby. And it's like, she gets mm-hmm. the ultrasound. The, the nurse is like, Oh, you hear that? It's your, your, look at your beautiful baby. That's the most wonderful sound in the world. And she's just sitting there. Like nobody's ever given her another option. It's just like, I guess I have to love babies or I'm an asshole. Right. Which makes the the scene that we talked about earlier that we'll get to in a second, like all the more powerful for somebody to finally be like, Hey, this is hard. And you're in a situation where I just want to make sure this is your choice and whatever you choose is fine. Like, I hope nobody's forcing you to do this. And it's, it's the first time she's ever heard that. Cause most of her life, it seems has been like just rapey dudes and women be like, Oh, this baby's a blessing. And it's just yeah. like, Oh my God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that doctor at that clinic at one point says, this is a good thing. I know I'm a mother. Yeah, it's like, what the, f- I don't, that's not a reason. No, it's not. Yeah. And she no. tries to be like, yeah, I just don't picture that for myself. She's like, well, trust me, I'm a mother. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I've been a child. I don't know that what I'm going through is necessarily what I want for my kids. Right. Yeah. Which kind of brings me need- to, go ahead. Oh, we need to talk about her home life a little too. Like that stepdad, dad person was just super icky for the record a hundred percent the guy that raped her right hundred percent there's i mean also i was wondering like if the kid could have been his who knows yeah and that's a cool thing about this movie too is like it doesn't go into that like we don't know yeah like so i want to point to two points i mentioned earlier that this movie doesn't really care too much about framing a black and white villain but it gives you enough information that at least for me i was like he's clearly this horrible dude there's one moment where He's like doing that weird thing with the dog. Yeah. Where he's like, like he's saying, I guess kind of inconsequential dog stuff. He's like, Oh, you're a good girl. You like that. But then it cuts to her face and it's like, she's heard that from him before. Well, no. Cause he was talking like dirty. Yeah. He was like, he was a like slut. Look dog. how easy she is. Ooh, and God, he's like looking gross. at her while petting the dog. I know, dude. It's, it's so, like, it's so horrible. And then yeah. later on, she's looking into, um, I think she's looking into abortion law. In Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. as a as an under eighteen needing parental consent or whatever, and I thought this is a really nice touch because 
it's a, basically on the screen is a full Google page. And we see the mouse kind of trace along a line that says, in Pennsylvania, if you're under 18, you can't get parental consent. But it stops, her mouse does, after like, in Pennsylvania. And l- right underneath that line is something about like, asterisk, unless in situations of incest or rape. And I swear it stopped above like rape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, that would, yeah, that's so clearly terrible. And that's, that's yeah. obviously what's happening. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And then it's just like, <laughs> she, she has to do what she has to do. And it makes all those scenes later on where something horrible will happen in front of her, like a guy trying to masturbate in a subway car. And she's just like, well, I guess I got to move on now. This is a totally normal thing. I'll just be on my way. It yeah. makes them so much more powerful and horrible. Yeah. Just the, the things that they have to deal with. Yeah. Which are not out of the ordinary for women in this world right now. Yeah, dude. Which is or potentially just, ever. Yeah. We're just seeing it, you know? Yeah. It's so moving. This whole movie was just so moving. Like, yeah. It was one of those things where like once we started it, like if I had to get up to like grab something to drink, like I was pausing. Like oh, I'm not for I, sure. I'm not missing one second. Yeah, I think I mean back to back to her mom's I don't even think he was her stepdad, like her mom's boyfriend. Yeah. The, particularly with the dog scene, if you didn't if you weren't looking kind of for the the shadowy, shady kind of underlying themes going on, he might have just been a dude that was weird with his dog. Like people talk to their animals in different ways. But we know that about him. We know all this stuff has happened, and it makes literally every other scenario with guys suspect. There was a scene, yeah. there were a bunch of scenes where they were like coming up an escalator and there was a guy at the bottom of the escalator minding his own business probably. But I was like, is that guy about to harass them? Yeah. And it really puts you in the shoes of, of them, especially being young and in a city they don't know and without vulnerable. money vulnerable for sure. It's like, that's how I would be thinking. And, and if I can get sucked into that mentality in 30 minutes of this movie and it messes me up as much as it did, I can't imagine what those girls are going through. And it makes all of those situations more understandable from their perspective. Well, And just imagining what a woman's life is like. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, man. It's like you just, I mean, just them trying to fucking do their job and count out their drawers at the goddamn supermarket. And what the creep, fuck was that about? The creep that would just grab their hands when they passed over their money bag and like started kissing That's their hands. So fucking gross. Like it made my skin crawl, dude. And like, such small town America shit. Like yeah. they can't go to HR. They're not There's like no in L. For, they're not in LA uh, where they're gonna. They can't like me too that guy. But like, even then, like it goes to New York and that stuff still happens. Maybe not quite as um, obviously, but it's like is is everywhere. What well, my perception of you know like uneducated kind of racist misogynist America is is that just everywhere and we just don't see it as much. Well, honestly, Probably. I mean we live we live in a fairly like advanced culture in our little bubble of Chico, Mm. you know, like it's, it's different even, you know, next two towns over the whole dynamic shifts. Like we're, we're definitely insulated in the way we look at society and interactions. We're in a very, you know, liberal kind of forward thinking, like woke type town. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like small town America is a lot different than our little bubble of Chico for sure. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about this on a, on a slightly different note that, I mean, abortion itself doesn't really get talked about in movies that often. Sometimes it's hinted at, but the time that I thought of most recently that it was actually on screen was when we covered uh, portrait of a lady on fire. 
Yeah. There's that scene where, it, I mean, this is also, if you haven't seen the movie, it takes place not in modern day. And there's kind of an abortion scene that gets immortalized in a painting. And it's, it's very um, powerful for sure, but also romanticized. And this movie doesn't do any of that. It's no. not like this is, this is um, women's empowerment or, or this girl taking control of her life. It's very like, this is her trauma. She's dealing with it. And she moves on to the point where after this happens, they're sitting on the bus and um, her cousin Skylar goes like, well, were they nice? And she goes, no, nice enough. And that's yeah. it. And, they, and it was like the nicest. I assume she's ever been treated or understood by anybody. And she still has her guard up. She's like, well, she just underplays it because she knows that's not her world. Yeah, that's that's not the average no. world that she lives in. Not at all. Can we can yeah. we also talk about the chicken tic tac toe arcade game? <laughs> that was so random. It was so random. And I do you have any thoughts on that? I thought it was very strange, but like surprising. And also, I might have played the game too, but like yeah. also that poor chicken. So again, if you haven't seen this movie. They're basically in a pretty normal arcade. There's Dance Dance Revolution and racing games and whatever. And they come to this arcade game where it's basically a tic-tac-toe board that you can, like a touch screen, and there's a glass panel with a chicken behind it. And on that glass, there's a, a drawn-out tic-tac-toe board already completed on a piece of paper. And there's like food behind that, and the chicken every so often goes to eat food, and it's like almost like it's picking a square. But it's super not. It's a piece of paper. And I just feel like there's probably something there about like the chicken thinks it's, or like we think the chicken's in control, but clearly everything's predetermined and who's really in charge is the people exerting their will on this chicken. I don't know. (laughs) I think there's something there, but it's, it's beyond me. And I just, I want to hear somebody else's thoughts on that. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was just a weird, I don't know. It could be like a metaphor for her feeling trapped. Yeah. I don't know. know. Uh, it's yeah, it could be a lot of different things. I just, it was odd. I'd never seen a video game like that for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm just literally like, I, these are sparse thoughts. I'm just going through my notes and mentioning things that I wanted to talk about, but you know, that scene in the bowling alley. I, Cause for me, it felt like we don't need to rehash the plot. So whatever they're in a bowling alley and it feels like she's almost losing her nerve. And then she calls her mom mm. and, and her mom answers and she doesn't say anything. And then autumn hangs up and it's almost like she gets a second wind. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, I definitely know. Cause this is after the first, uh, we'll say procedure. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird vibe. Like she would call her mom who is probably in not a great relationship. Clearly she's not dating yeah. a good dude. I'm sure he doesn't treat her any better. And it, I, f- I feel like hearing her mother's voice was the motivation she needed to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stuck out to me. Yeah. It was definitely like a, you know, she looked at herself in the mirror and just kind of pulled her shit together and was like, you got yeah. this girl. Yeah. You just got to go do it. Yep. Yeah. The, the perseverance, you know, of like the human spirit and like dealing with trauma and like doing what you have to do, Yeah, you know, it's never easy, but like, this is such an exemplification of that, that it's just the struggle that they went through just to get medical care. Yeah. It's like, like we live in a a state where it's not that difficult. So like, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It was, it was really thought provoking. I, I, th- I suppose it's worth knowing this wouldn't be a good abortion movie if we didn't have a scene of protesters outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic. See, was that that or was that just yeah. like a weird religious march? That's what those protesters are usually. As somebody yeah, okay. who has been on, I would guess, and I don't think you know this about me, but like six or seven walk for lives when I was a kid. Mm. I have been outside of those clinics. 
Mm. which is problematic for a child for a number of reasons, but whatever. I think that it ties back into what we were saying as our disclaimer for this movie, which is this is a hot button topic. And it's, it's, if you're against abortion, it's easy to watch this movie or, or even hear about this movie and be like, Nope, this movie is horrible and it's immoral and unethical. And I will not participate in this. But I think by incorporating that, uh, personality into this movie in, in the context of actual protesters outside of the clinic, like you get to maybe not get, that's probably the wrong word. You are forced to experience almost a perception of yourself in somebody else's shoes. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what it would feel like to be protested against. Yeah. Like, like you're, you're forced to empathize with this character, even if you don't agree with her choices. And because this happens, like, I don't know, an hour into the movie where she finally gets to the clinic. And then we see these people who, and there's a good chance people watching this are like, I have, I've done, I'm pro-life and I've been that person. And you can, you can put yourself in the shoes of, of a girl going through this in a way that you wouldn't be able to, uh, if you had just been like, I'm not watching this movie. It's abortion's bad. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it would be easy to take that stance, but I think I would encourage people to watch it because I don't think at any point abortion is glorified. I think it no, is yeah, agreed. A, uh, it's it's a humanization of a person having to make the toughest choice they've ever made, and I, they don't take it lightly. Yeah, it's and it's also not easy on her. It's not an easy process, and it's yeah, it's it's a humanization that I think maybe we forget sometimes. It's not, it's not, you know, behind closed doors. It's a, not a faceless idealist situation. Right, right. It's it's a real person with real problems with a real life that. Had you know, they're making a decision for their own future. Yeah, and and I, 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 yeah, I disagree with it or not. Um, it's important to at least be able to expand your mind and be open-minded enough to look at something through someone else's point of view before you make your decision, or even to just think about it. Like you know, even if it just makes you think a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's fine. It's okay to think. You got anything else? No, man. I think I'm good. I think we should end on that. That is never, rarely, sometimes, always. Rent it if you'd like. We'd, of course, love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think. If you have tried Overcast Espresso Stout or if you get your hands on single IPA, Strata version, uh, you can reach out to us at all the things that Johnny said at the top of the show. If you feel so inclined, join us on Patreon. It's pretty cheap. You can find some cool bonus content. Or at the very least, go ahead and just, just press the little heart button and a few stars on Apple Podcasts. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and all of our friends over at The Handlebar. And I think, very lastly, that's Johnny Summers. And that's Max Pinardi. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.